Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. where God has shown up in a special way um, to individuals or, or people groups. And that encounter, that, that him showing up at that specific time, oftentimes changed the course, I would say most of the time or all of the time, changed the course of that person or that people group. And I'm just so grateful today that God is a God that is not so far removed, but he is a God that is present and he is a God that that cares and he is a God that can be experienced. Amen. If you've experienced the Lord in a special way at some point in your life, just give me an amen so I'm not so I'm not speaking just to an empty auditorium here. I've done that before and that's not fun, but yeah, so so help me out this morning. Um, a little bit, but uh, but I'm just great that he is accessible and he's present. I want you to turn your Bible, please, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16 is where we're going to start. And I'm going to be reading out of a paraphrased version. This is the message. It's paraphrased just to, just to kind of give us a, a different language. I, I, I believe you will be able to grab hold of, um, you know, the the heartbeat of the message. If you've got a trouble with the message version, then read it in another version. I think you'll be able to follow along, but I just like how this how this sounds. It says, whenever though they, and the they really, you could you could place your name, I believe, it might be a little bit of a stretch, but you could place your life into this passage by putting you in the place of they. So whenever you, like I, can, I think this works, whenever you turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil. Now listen, we don't talk a lot about veils because, because this is like old school, right? But a veil is something that separates one thing from another. So the veil back in the Old Testament, it separated God's people from God himself. There was a point of separation. In fact, it was only, you know, certain time throughout the year that that people could go through the veil. One person could go through the veil into the presence of the Lord. So so really what this is saying, when you turn and face God, there's a there's a veil that separates. There's an object that separates you from God. It is removed. Whenever they Turn to face God as Moses did. God removes the veil. Just like Moses had to turn and face God, or they had to turn and face God for the veil to be removed, you have to turn and face God for the veil to be removed. There's so many people that are like, man, I just wish God would talk to me like he talks to you. I wish that I could experience God like so-and-so experiences the Lord. Right? And, and, and a lot of the issues might be in, in, the, in the case that maybe you're not turning and facing the Lord. Maybe you like the idea of experiencing God. You like the idea of having a deeper relationship with God. But you haven't done anything to pursue 
a deeper relationship with God. You haven't even turned to face him. And so, so when you turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil, and there they are. You and God face to face. There they are, Moses and God face to face. There they are, they, whoever they are, they're with God face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. They realize that he's real and that God can be experienced, not just talked about, not just learned about, but the presence of God can be experienced. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. I don't know what your background is, but I've understood, I've experienced that old restrictive legislation in my short 48-year-old life. I've experienced what that looks like, the, the life of something being removed, and all you have is rules and, 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 and do's and, and don'ts. And so, so, so it, it says when this happens, when you turn to face God, Come on, you stand with him face. He shows up in a way that 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 religious system or those beliefs that have no power and no life, it renders that old way of thinking as obsolete. And when this happens, you are transfigured. Fancy word for saying you're changed. You're changed. You're different. See, when you experience God, you're changed. Like the greatest thing that can happen in your life is for you to experience who God is. Like personally have an encounter with him where he shows himself to you in, in ways that you never thought were possible. Like you thought you knew about God, but now you've experienced him. And maybe it's just in a moment like your life will never be the same as in the lives of many people that we read about. See, moments with God will change you. It goes on, and so we're changed, much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually become brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more like him. Today, I want to just really focus on how God comes into the life of a broken person, which you're all broken, and I'm a broken person. God comes into the lives of broken people, and he begins to work on how they believe about themselves, what they believe about themselves. He does a lot of things, but one of the things that he does is he redefines your value. He does a work because, because this is the truth. From your birth, you have, you have become who you are a lot through what people have said you are, a lot through the experience that you have. And, and people that are much smarter than I, they have, they have, they've even done studies that people identify themselves mainly or, or, or many times through their shortcomings and through their mistakes. I am this because I have done this. Or I am this because so-and-so told me that I was this thing. And so we become a product of what we experience. We become a product of, of, of who people, you know, what people put on us. And all I'm saying is, is and I'm not blanket statement, anybody but all i'm saying is is some of what's been put on on you is just not true maybe you've put it on yourself and it's just not true and so when you come to a place of of saying this is who i am and you're wrong about who you are then where do you go to get it corrected 
Like, like if you're wrong, it's like, man, I have believed this about me. I have believed this about my family. Come on, where do I go to get a, a proper understanding of who I am? And I'm just telling you, you have to go to the Lord. You have to go to the maker, the one that created you, that made you like you are. Come on, that put certain things inside of you. You've got to go to him and see what he thinks about you. I've titled the message Reflections because the first thing that we do in the morning is we reflect. We stand in front of a mirror. Whether we like it or not, we are reflecting. Who, who was that? I, didn't, I was just walking by, looked, and I didn't like what I saw. Or some of you, you're just like, dang, I still got it. <laughs> right? You reflect. You, you, you know, you, you, you are, you become how nice your hair looks. Or you become how many wrinkles you now have. And so you've, your value is always going up. Your value goes up as you lose pounds. Your value goes down as you increase in weight. You know, your value goes down when you react to a certain situation the wrong way. It goes up when you react to a certain situation the right way. And so we're in this constant, we don't know who we are. We're in a constant state of confusion because we have, we have, our value has come from ourselves or other people and not the one that's created us. Many are defined by our failures and our rejections. So the, what is the reflection of rejection? The reflection of rejection is as I am what I have done. I am what my mistakes. You know, I am, you know, if you're a self-made person, I am great because I've learned how to make a lot of money. I am great because I've got an incredible education. Well, I'm not so great because I couldn't even graduate high school. I'm not so great because I, I make $7.25 an hour. And so, so I'm not as great as that person over there that makes over six figures every year. We do this all the time. This is the, the reflection of rejection. I am what I did. And then you've got the reflection of perception. I am what people say I am. Oh, yeah, you know, that guy lives in the trailer park. Oh, that, that guy lives on the river. Oh, that guy, he drives one of them really sweet, nice trucks that are $90,000. Well, that guy, he drives a 1972 Volkswagen. I would like to have a 1972 Volkswagen. <laughs> I think that would be really cool. So, so the reflection of perception, I am what people say that I am. And then you've got the reflection of inferiority, which is I'm just not enough. You know, we're always looking at somebody else. We're always looking at how great and how strong somebody is in a certain area or how smart they are or how well-dressed they are or how they're able to communicate so properly or handle themselves in tough situations. It doesn't seem like anything ever phases them. And then there's us. Like, we're a mess. I fold under stressful situations. I'm nervous whenever I have to talk in front of a group of two or more people. Come on, I'm always you know, thinking about saying the right thing so I don't look stupid. You know, I remember, like, like I, I, I was never a strong reader. 
I never read a whole book until I graduated high school. Like I had the red fern grows read to me, and I thought, I'm taking that as my own. I've read a book where the red fern grows. How do you graduate high school never reading a book? I did it. You could do it. Don't recommend it. So when I got saved, one of the first things that the Lord began to do in my life was to, was to put a desire in my life to get to know this God that had been so good to me. The only thing that I knew to do was to pray, work, work out how to pray, how to talk to God, but then also how to read my Bible. And so I would go and I would read my Bible every opportunity I was given. I would read my Bible. This is, some of your Bibles got half of the page, you know, you got, it, each page is split in two right down the middle. On one side, you got half of it here and then half of it here. I would read through half of the page and I would ask myself, what did you read? And I'd be like, I ain't got nothing. I ain't got nothing. I don't know a single thing that I just read. And oh, by the way, it took me a long period of time just to read that half page because I was, I, I've never, when you're not, when you don't do something, you're not good at it. That's not even proper. When you don't do it, you're not good at it. So, so this is where I was. And so I would reread it. What'd you get? Nothing. I would reread it and I would celebrate when one thing would jump off the page, you know, to me. And, um, and that was, that was fantastic. But but this is the deal is, is that when you have a weakness in your life, which all of us do, like you might, you might carry yourself as being strong in all areas, you're not that good. You've got weaknesses. And when you've got weaknesses, lies follow. Lies follow weaknesses. I started to think, man, I'm, I'm ignorant. There's something wrong with my brain. I can't, I can't think. I can't. I can't uh, comprehend, and, and, and so, so what happens is, is I just shrink back and shrink back and shrink back and shrink back because lies follow, come on, weakness. And I'm just telling you this, that just because you're not good at something now doesn't mean that you can't be good at it. Put in a little effort and then believe that God can, you know, is with you, and, and you can do all things through him who gives you the strength and understanding. Amen. So we've got to go to God's word to find out who it is that, that we really are. I'm fixing this next week to go back to the, 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 the great large city of Umatilla, Oregon. I was a graduate of Umatilla, Oregon, class of 1990. Woo, woo, had 90 people in our entire class. And I'm grateful today that I get to go to my 30-year reunion this week, because that means I graduated. Woo, woo, come on, somebody, right? I graduated, so now I've got my ticket. I can go to the reunion. And you think, oh, pastor's just being funny. I'm telling you, there is a lot of, there's a lot of truth in humor. I, I didn't know I was going to graduate until like two days before we walked. They were working to figure out how they could get Travis Turner graduated. And I'm not proud about that. I'm not, like, that's, that's terrible. But that is the absolute truth. So I'm getting ready to go back. And many people that I graduated with, they're asking the question, Travis Turner is a pastor. Many conversations I've had with people from my past. How 
did that happen? And I'm telling you, for me, being brought out of alcoholism and brokenness and just all kinds of just crazy living, and I'm still a work in progress, like I have not arrived, but I'm telling you, what got me from where I was to where I am today is God's word, period. Period, period, not that plus this other thing, God's word, come on, defining, giving me a definition different than the one that I had about my life. So what's the answer to another person that's broken, busted, dealing with with any kind of an issue? The answer is God's complete, perfect word in your life. It's the answer. It is the answer. You don't have to have that plus something else. God's word, come on, his Spirit breathed, spirit birthed word. Come on, the Holy Spirit working it out, it becoming life to your life. Come on, uh, doing something to the person, transferring, changing you from old to new. That's what the word of God will do. Amen? That's the answer. That is the answer. You know, it's interesting. I've never heard of this ever happening at a 30-year reunion, a 20-year reunion, a 10-year reunion. I've never heard of this ever happening. And you're going to think that this is kind of cool, but you have no clue the power of the miracle of what's happening this week. My class has asked me during our 30-year reunion to have a church service. Where has that ever happened, ever? See, that's cool in itself. But you didn't know me in high school. Like, like I mean, it would, be, it would be awesome. Like, Matt Johnson goes to his class reunion, raised in the church, you know, just got amazing you know, just upbringing and, and raised on the, on the front row of the, of the pews back then. Him going through, went to a Christian school. Him going to his class reunion. Like, that would be a miracle. You have no clue. You have no idea who I was in high school. And it is a miracle. It is absolutely mind-blowing that they have asked me to have a church service for our 30-year reunion. So please pray, because God is the only one that can set something up like that. And, uh, and immediately when I was asked, I already knew what the message was going to be about, the importance of relationships. So pray for me. James chapter 1 and verse 23, it says this, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like somebody who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. And this is what I'm asking you to do today is look into the word intently. Like not just, uh, I've heard that, you know, in our Christian in our Christian lives, we hear stuff and, oh, yeah, I've heard that. You know, we regurgitate stuff and we hear something here. We go to church, we hear something there. We might read it in our Bible. Oh, yeah, I've heard this before. I've heard this story. But we don't, we fail to intently look at the Word of God. And I'm asking you to intently examine God's Word and apply His Word, it says, and continues in it not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, then the promise is this, that they will be blessed in what they do. 
So today we're looking at Moses' life. Moses was a messed up person. The Hebrew boys were being slaughtered, murdered. From his birth, come on, they were after him. They wanted to kill him. So his mom loved him so much that she takes him and she puts him in a basket. And, and the, she puts tar on the basket so that the basket will float, the baby won't get wet. And she has more faith in shoving this brand new baby out into the Nile River with Nile crocodiles than she does at trusting that she's going to be able to hide him any other way. So she pushes him out, and then Pharaoh's sister is, is out by the banks of, of the river, and she looks out, and she sees something. And she wades out to this basket, and she opens up the top, and she sees this baby that's in this basket, and she brings it in. You know, not giving it up. Not, I mean, she knows that this is a Hebrew child by what it's probably, you know, wrapped in. And, and, and why else would anybody do this? But she brings it in and she, and she brings the baby in as her own, like she had the child. And so this child is raised as a prince in Egypt. Now, a prince can have anything that a prince wants, whenever he wants it, however he wants it. There was nothing that he desired as a prince in Egypt that he could not have. But there was a conflict because Moses grew up and the conflict was that he had everything that the world had to give, but he was not being who God had called and created him to be. And any time that that's the case, you know it as well as I know it when you're not fulfilling and you're not where God wants you doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're not living properly. You're messing with a little bit of this and a little bit of that. There's conflict. And when there's conflict, there's emotions that you cannot control. And so Moses looks out and he sees an Egyptian beating on a Hebrew and he loses his mind and he kills the Egyptian. Now he's got to run. He's afraid for his life. He runs off Fast forward, he's on the backside of a desert and he's 80 years of age dealing with insecurities because he does not know who he is. Am I a Hebrew? Am I an Egyptian? Am I a slave or am I a prince? Am I a shepherd or am I, a, you know, somebody important? Right? And so he's, he's confused. He's on the backside of this desert. He looks up at a mountain. He sees a, a bush that's burning. I would probably go to the bush as well. Do I need to put this thing out? What's going on here? The bush isn't being consumed. He hears the words, take off your shoes. You're standing on holy ground. God begins to open some dialogue with him. God begins to say, listen, I want to do some things in and through your life. But before I do that, I've got to fix some brokenness in your life. You've got some super major insecurities that we've got to work through. And Moses responds to God in and through these insecurities. The first insecurity that Moses states that he's, he's speaking from is he says, who am I? Who am I? I wonder how many people here this morning, online, in church this morning, are dealing with the question, who am I? Nine out of ten people are going to give some fluff remark, well, this is who I am. This is, you know, I'm a teacher and, and uh, you know, I'm a father and I got, I got three kids and and I got a decent house, and I'm living the American dream. I'm just, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. But you don't really know who you are. You've become what society and, and people oftentimes have put on you to become, 
but you really don't know who you are. Maybe who you are has been lost somewhere in, in motion. But who am I? My Hebrew, Egyptian shepherd, prince. Moses is probably like, you do realize I've murdered somebody, right? And you're wanting to do all these great things with me. In Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11, this is where we're picking up. It says, but Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, listen, I will be with you. I love this. Moses goes to God and says, who am I? And God doesn't respond by answering anything about Moses. He says, ah, don't worry about that. Let me tell you about me. God's like, listen, it doesn't matter about you. Let me tell you who I am. Come on, I am the one that is able to do all that you can ask of, think of, hope for, or even imagine. Like, I am the guy that can do all things. God says, this will be a sign to you that it is I that have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, so he's already saying that what you're going to do is be successful. When you've brought them out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. I'm telling you this, I'm so grateful for examples like this because everything that I do, I could not do by myself. Like everything that I do, I can do because God is with me. Like I am not good enough. I, I am not... I, I, I just cannot do it. And the sooner that you get to the point, even in your successes, that you realize that your success has everything to do about God and not so much about you, the better you're going to be. Does it take work? Does it, do you have to put in? The, absolutely. Do you hone your skills? Absolutely. But I'm just telling you, at the end of the day, anything that is good is good because God is good. That's so liberating. So liberating. Amen? can't define yourself by your past mistakes. You have to define yourself through the cross of Jesus Christ. This is why the Apostle Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, Paul's killing, he's a killer of Christians. Like, people have been separated. Come on, families have been dissolved. People, has lost, they've lost their lives because of the Apostle Paul. But the Apostle Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's only by his grace I'm not good enough. It's by the grace of God that I am what I am. I've done some horrible, terrible, nasty things, not happy about it, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Number two is this. The second insecurity is, who are you? Moses is like, who am I first? And then he turns to God, he says, who are you? Listen, when you are insecure about yourself, you're going to be insecure about God. Because a lot of the times we look at our weakness as being God's fault. God, why did you do this to me? And so now we're blaming God for the shortcomings and the difficulties that we have in our life because he's not big enough. So when you're insecure about you, oftentimes that, that flips over into insecurities about who God is. And Moses dealt with this. And I've dealt with this. And many of you, not all of you, but many of you have dealt with this. Can God? Would God? Why would God? Could he even help me? Could he? Does he even care? We look through a filter. We define God, who God is, how great God is by how good he might have been to us or how bad he might have been to us. I've sat at the bedside of people that have lost Loved ones in their 90s, and I'm not, I'm not downplaying this at all. Lost grandma, in, grandma was in her 90s, and now angry at God because he took grandma away. Listen, we're not going to live forever. 
right? We're, we're not going to live forever. Your life, let alone grandma's life, is not promised. Like you don't, tomorrow is not promised to any one of us. This is why as a people, come on, let's make the most of the days that we are given. Celebrate the people that we get to share it with because you may not be here tomorrow and they may not be here tomorrow. But the promise is incredible. It's this, that if they're in Christ Jesus and you're in Christ Jesus, then you will be reunited with them again. Like, that's not fluff. That's not flowers. That's not like, hey, listen, I know coping and grief is super difficult, and we just want to soften the edges. And so, like, there's a chance that you might get a chance to see him again. No. The, the truth of the matter is, if they're in Christ and you're in Christ, you will see them again. They continue to live. They continue to move. They live in a place that if they were given the opportunity to come back, they would, they would deny it. I believe it. Who are you, he says. Moses said to God, suppose I go to these people, the Israelites, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And if they ask me, what's his name? Then what is it that I should tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now listen, there's a lot that goes in this, but I'm going to take the easy route. I believe that God's like, that's the, that's the toughest. I would spend the next thousand years telling you who I am. So just tell them that I am sent you. And really the problem is, is you're questioning me what my name is because you don't probably trust me like you should trust me. So just tell them I am. I know you're really having to take a step out in faith to say that, you know, that sounds kind of kooky, crazy. Yeah, uh, I am sent me. Oh, boom. Understanding. Revelation. It's like God's taking care of it anyway. And so I'm just saying this, that, that your lack of confidence, your insecurities that you're dealing with today, it might be because your God is not big enough. Not that he's not big enough, period. He's just not big enough in your life, in your thinking, in your understanding. So you're not going to approach God to do something that you don't think that he can do. But he can do everything. And the sooner that you realize that he can do everything, you'll start seeing him do things in your life and through your life that you never had seen before. Oh, man, that's a good word. I hope you just pick up what I'm just putting down there. I'm telling you, I'm challenging you up to think greater about this God that we serve. Not so limited. Don't get so frustrated with the ins and outs of the problems that we face Every single day because tomorrow, you might get through today, tomorrow the problem may be different, but it's going to be there. Are we going to be wrecked because of the issue or the circumstance? Or are we going to say, my God is great and greatly to be praised? I have no idea how we're going to get through this, but God does, right? We got to be a people of resolve. And the way that we're a people of resolve is by knowing God's word and living God's word and trusting God's word and taking action on God's word. We cannot allow, and I'm speaking to myself, I'm this way, boy, I'm solid today, but who knows what I'm going to be next week. I've lived it. I've been, I've been wishy-washy. 
But I'm telling you, at the, at the moment that we see that we are not becoming of a Christ follower, we need to repent and redirect. This is a right now word for the people that are in this room right now or watching online. The, the word of the Lord is being spoken and it has life and breath and there's a heartbeat because the God that we serve is alive and living and well. So many people are in a land of confusion. Why are they in confusion? Because they're trying to mix a little bit of this with a little bit of that. It's like, yeah, you know, I believe in Jesus Christ. I love Jesus. But I also read my horoscope every morning. And sometimes if you were going to be honest, you would put more validity in your horoscope than you do God's word. Like you read the horoscope more than you read God's word. Oh, no, man, I believe it. Because there have been some things that it's been spoken. And guess what? They came to pass. Oh, man. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. But I, you know, I've been to one of them tarot card, you know, people. And they just kind of tell you about your future. You know, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But there's a medium that I met. And, man, she's been able to tell me about you know what, grandma, great-grandma, when I was 14, she's, she's passed away. And grandma, you know, I've been able to have conversations with grandma. You know what, I believe in Jesus, but yoga, man, it really just does something for me. And people are confused because they live in a state of confusion. Listen, Jesus is enough. He is all that you need. He's all that you need. He is the only thing that doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he'll be, the, he'll be the same. You can count on him. You don't need to take a little Jesus and add anything else to it. You need to take the whole bit of Jesus and work the rest of your life trying to apply, come on, a relationship, his character, come on, his word to your life, and see how that brings about life change and transformation. Because if you think that you can't dabble... You know, the devil's a smart dude, man. He, he, he'll let you dabble in stuff, and, and, and you'll get kind of like, like euphoric you know, situations happen, and you'll be all happy because something was said, and it really spoke to you. And, and he's just like, I'm just going to reel him in just a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more, just a little bit more. I'm telling you, Jesus is enough. Bible says in Jeremiah 32 and 17, Behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing, God, is too difficult for you. There is nothing too difficult for my God. Number three is this. I'm going to speed it up here because we ain't got much time. Exodus 4 and verse 1, Moses answered, What if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. And so number three is this. What if they? What if they? See, we put so much uh, value on people's opinions that we don't even know. And we allow people that we have no relationship with define who we are. And young people, I just want to talk to you just for a quick second. This, I don't know what's going on, but there's something really wrong in our value being tied to how many TikTok followers we have, how many people that like our Instagram posts, 
how many friends we've got on Facebook. Like, like I'm valuable because, because, man, this person follows what I do. But at the very moment that that person is fed up with what you're posting and they, and they unfriend you or they, they fall. Listen, you've never met that person in your life. They don't know you. They, they, they don't know your family. They don't know where you're from. It's a false sense of belonging. As easy as they can like you, they can dislike you. And I'm just telling you that, that there are young people that are committing suicide because of silly things like, like what's, 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 you know, who's following or who's not, or, or this person has said this terrible thing about, you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying these people don't know you. Come on, spend some time with some people that know you and listen more intently about what they have to say about you and how much they love you and how much they value and what they love. You know, parents, this is a great thing that you can do. I don't even, somebody was telling me that they did this. The greatest thing you can do maybe this week is sit around with your wife and your husband. Not that you've got one of each. That sounded weird. Your children and just begin to go around in the circle and talk about some things that you appreciate about each person in the family. You know, I think we need to hear that more. And I'm not talking about make stuff up. I'm talking about genuinely, if you're going to speak, speak from your heart and speak from a place of truth. And you add value to the people that are in your family. If we can't do that in our family, man, our, our world is in, a, is in a bad spot, right? Proverbs 29 and verse 25, fear of man will be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. John 12 and verse 42, this is talking about Jesus. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in Jesus, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. You see, this has been a problem since the beginning of time. Like we love, there's something inside of us that loves the praise of men. The problem is, is whenever we, when we elevate that above the praise of God, that's a, that's a very dangerous, dangerous place to be. We cannot love the praise of men more than we love the praise of God. Amen? And so if, we, if you're in that place, repent and say, God, do a work in this area because you will remain insecure until you stop letting the pressure of people that do not know you define who you are. You'll remain in that place of being bound. Number four, this is my last point. I have never, whew, I have never. The church, unfortunately, many people in the church, not just this church, the church uh, worldwide, we live in this place of I have never. Exodus 4 and verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, Oh Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past or since or since you've spoken to your servant, I've been slow of speech and tongue. So he's like, listen, I've been slow in the past. I'm not sharp. I'm not quick on my feet. I don't talk right. And even after we started a relationship, like that hasn't gotten any better. I have never. Our churches in the United States are filled with people that are asked all the time, hey, listen, I need you. Oh yeah, what do you need? I need you to teach our children in children's church. 
I need you to, to say a prayer and open the morning breakfast with a prayer. I need you to hand out bulletins at the front door. I need you. I need you. I need you. And it's answered more times than not with, I can't do that. I've never done that before. See, so many people, and I don't know where, it probably started with my generation. My generation's messed everything up. It's probably us. We're just, you know, we tell people, listen, start, you you know, when you're talking about your calling, start with what you're good at. And so we haven't, we haven't, we haven't spent enough time expressing what we fully mean. And so people have defined what we've said with, oh, my calling must be associated with what I'm good at. That is the biggest lie ever. Your calling may have nothing to do with what you're good at right now. I literally was so scared to death to to speak in front of a group of more than two people. I went to, I knew God's call was on my life and so I registered and I became a part of a club called Toastmasters International. There was about seven people in Toastmasters International. I was the youngest by at least 50 years. Like these people were, I was in my 20s. They were well into their 70s. And they just thought it was the cutest thing, this young punk kid that was afraid to stand up, nervous. I'm talking nervous. And when I would, and I still do it today. When I talked back then, this is what you would have got. We had a cameraman, and they think a cameraman came up to me afterwards and said, You gotta stop. I can't keep up with you. I can't keep you in the screen. You're just walking out. I'm nervous. I'm saying, I'm nervous. My first message I ever preached, so nervous. See, you don't have to be good at your calling. God's just saying, listen, I've put within you the ability, come on, to develop some skills, and I've given you a certain anointing to operate in this this area. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? Isn't it amazing how much trust has to do with everything with God? Do you? Trust me. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you believe it? Or are you just really good at quoting it? Do you believe it? Or are you just really good at quoting it? Whatever it is that you're dealing with, do you believe God's word above your feeling on that situation or above even the knee-jerk reaction of being able to quote a scripture that combats what it is that you're going, yeah, I know I should be over it. You know the Bible says dot, 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 dot. Take it and intently look upon God's word that brings life and let it bring life to you and change you from the inside out. Changed. Becoming more beautiful. The longer you serve the Lord, the more beautiful you become. Do you know why? Not because it's an external beauty, but it's because the character of God. You're being changed into His character his likeness. You're thinking about things you never thought you would think about in yourself, but now you're a child of God, and he has changed you. Amen. I hope you receive the word today. I believe you're, whoever's received it, 
has received it because God has brought you here and I just trust in that. I trust in that. I pray that you go from this place renewed, strengthened, encouraged, challenged, a little bit more wisdom, ready to face the week that's ahead of you. If your feelings are hurt, take it up with the Lord. <laughs> because I love you. And if, if, if I'll just tell you, I love you. I want the best for you. But sometimes it's the hard things that bring about the greatest changes. Amen? Sometimes there are people that will, that will talk to you out of love when a hundred other people will pass you by because they still want to remain your friend. But the people that care about you most will have that difficult conversation. So I trust that the Lord is doing a work. And I thank Him for that. And I thank you for being here. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you so much for today. I pray, Lord, that you bless us as we go from this place. Increase, God, our faith, our patience, our endurance. God, give us uh, words to speak at appropriate times and have us the courage to help us to have the courage to speak those words that will bring life to difficult situations. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. Services are Sundays at 845 and 11 a.m., as well as our Wednesday evening service at 6.30 p.m. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church.